We are live. Welcome to the Carl Vibe Show. I'm joined today by the Dragon, head of security from Skinwalker Ranch, as well as Michael Mataluni and Pete from the Creepy Little Book. We're going to go ahead and bring everybody on board right off the bat and get everybody introduced. So welcome to the show and welcome everybody here that's joined us over in the chat as well. This is going to be really awesome. We've got a lot of great people here and we are interested and fascinated today in the mystery of Skinwalker Ranch and everything going on there. Not so much the show on the History Channel, which is a hit TV show going on over there, but also covering the mysteries of the phenomenon, everything from the paranormal in the sky, UFOs, UAPs, but also portals on the ground, uh, different things opening up, creatures crawling through, and all sorts of events. So welcome to the show, uh, Dragon. Bryant, uh, glad to have you here, head of security. Are you at Skinwalker Ranch right now, my friend? I am not today. No, I got out of the dirt for the weekend. So <laughs> nice. <laughs> nice to be, it's nice to be clean. <laughs> to get out of the Skinwalker Ranch and away from all the weirdness and, and yeah. uh, be able to join us for the show today. So, Dragon, thanks for joining us. It's a real pleasure. Uh, Pete from Creepy Little Book, why don't you tell everybody a little bit about what you do over there and uh, why you're here today? Well, hello, everybody. I'm Pete from the Creepy Little Book, a channel with focus on the fringe and mysterious. We cover everything from the esoteric to the extraterrestrial, from the spiritual to the supernatural and all that lies between. I'm just a simple dilettante, if you will, an antiquarian of the weird, and I like to collect these strange stories from history that converge between the supernatural and the unexplained and present them in a very simple way for us to enjoy. Awesome, Pete. So yeah, if you want to check out Pete's channel, he's got all sorts of really cool, mysterious historical videos over on his channel about the weird and the paranormal and all sorts of stuff. And Michael from the Singularity Lab, thanks for joining us, Mike. Tell us about your channel. Oh, I could just listen to Pete's uh, vocal all day. That was fantastic. Um, I was say, <laughs> that was fucking great. <laughs> My name is Michael Mataluni, and uh, I'm the creator of the Singularity Lab, where we focus on we, we try to get a little bit weird and focus on future tech um, and science. And we also delve into UAP and uh, quantum physics, the supernatural and, and that sort of fun stuff. So I'm just thrilled to be here. I'm thrilled to uh, share the stage with the dragon and, and uh, Pete from Creepy Little Book. Carl, take it away. So, you guys, what we're going to talk about today is, you know, there's the TV show, and obviously with non-disclosure agreements and confidentiality, we can't talk about things that are coming up on the show on the History Channel, but we want to talk about a little bit more of the history and the strange connections with everything, and maybe some of our uh, different theories that we have about Skinwalker Ranch. And this is a place where we can get theoretical philosophical. We can talk about uh, the dimensions of reality uh, and some of our theories about what we individually think is going on. So I would kind of like to start off with that. I think there's a lot of stuff tied to maybe the geology and the history of the location energetically. But uh, first of all, Dragon, I want to get your opinion. You're the man on the ground, the head of security at Skinwalker Ranch. So you're the one that if anything uh, creepy or weird goes on there, they say, grab your shotgun and your radio, and we're going to send you in to go check it out. So what are uh, some of the interesting things that you've encountered there, or or maybe not being a person on the ground firsthand, Dragon? What, what's your thoughts on the place? Um, yeah, it's, it's definitely an interesting place. You know, as I've said before, you know, 90% of the time, it's just 
a really cool, fun place to act like I'm, you know, working on a Western movie. And really, <laughs> at the end of the day, you know, I'm not riding around on a horse, but it's a UTV. Um, so, yeah, I, for the most part, it's just a really cool spot of property um, in the basin. And that's how it feels most of the time. Um, so, you know, it's that other 10% or 5% or whatever, depending on the time of year that really, you know, has people interested and, and, and lends itself to all the lore and everything that's gone on around there. Um, you know, we've experienced everything from, you know, seeing UFOs or excuse me, UAPs is the new term that everyone's using. Um, and, uh, you know, having unexplainable injuries happen to people feeling strange energies, you know, hearing things, voices, individuals having things that they claim follow them home and they can't explain that the whole hitchhiker phenomenon. Um, it's definitely one of those things that, uh, you know, you just kind of go in never knowing what to expect. Um, I joke about myself, uh, that I'm sort of the phenomenon repellent because I, <laughs> I think as, as, as much time as I've spent, um, on that property, I think I've probably experienced the least amount of things that you would consider strange or, or abnormal or whatever, you know, I don't know what, you know, what the explanation for that is, but I mean, literally I'll spend weeks and then I'll leave for a few days and, you know, people have all these crazy things happen or things happen or we pick things up on our monitors or, you know, surveillance cameras and things like that. So, um, you know, I joke, with the guys, I'm like, well, if you want something to happen, you better send me off to get sandwiches or something because that's that's when things seem to happen. But um, I've had a few of my own, you know, strange experiences. Um, I, I I feel at peace with the ranch. Some people don't, um, you know, and it reacts differently to different individuals. I don't know if it's a mindset thing. I don't know if it's an energy thing. I don't know if it's a frequency type thing. You know, everything in this world runs on a certain frequency, um, had an individual that that's what they do is, you know, they, they basically feel energy and frequency. And they said, I just feel like, you know, you are almost on the same frequency level as the ranch. So maybe that's the reason. Cause I've asked, I'm like, what is it about me? That's making everybody else have these crazy experiences. Not that I'm inviting hitchhikers or anything, <laughs> <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah, it, it's definitely interesting, but, you know, I know the people um, that worked there and have been there personally. You know, I trust them. I know them. And, you know, and I've, and I've also seen things we've captured as well. So there's definitely something going on. I don't know what all is at play. It may just be a big Petri dish of all kinds of things. Um, but it's definitely, you know, one of those places where going into it, I told Brandon he was nuts for buying, you know, this piece of dirt in the middle of the basin. And... <laughs> You know, here I am smack down in the middle of it. So were you yeah. a skeptic going in, Dragon? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. yeah. I'd never really experienced anything, you know, or, you know, you hear stories, but I had never, you know, had any kind of an experience on that level um, to where I thought that there was anything to it, you know. And, you know, you grow up in mainstream culture where it's just a bunch of movies and, you know, hoo-ha and it's been really fun it you know as of late especially the past few years to see this sort of thing you know come to light and more to the mainstream where it's like 
we're not brushing this sort of thing under the carpet and making it seem like a science fiction story. It's more actually things are coming to light where, you know, there's definitely something to it. So, but yeah, going into it, I was like, whatever. <laughs> yeah. That's one, th- that's one <laughs> thing that most people don't realize is that the, uh, the ranch has been studied for a long time, even before uh, Brandon Fugel bought it and uh, with adamantium real estate and, and you moved in as the head of security. There's a whole history of the location and maybe Pete uh, from creepy little book, you can give us a little rundown historically for people who are new to Skinwalker ranch and some of the paranormal phenomenon going there. Cause it's not just UFOs or UAPs in the sky. You've got a whole bunch of different stuff like dragon mentioned the hitchhikers and different paranormal stuff down on the ground. So people, if you could give us a bit of a rundown, a history of a Skinwalker Ranch, that would be awesome right now to bring everybody up to speed. So the history kind of breaks down into three different eras. You have this era between the Ute and the Navajo, and they were at war with one another. And it was believed that a curse that originates from these battles may be the cause for some of the paranormal activity in the basin. Then in the 1970s, you get plethoras of reports of UFOs over the area. But it wasn't until George Knapp in 1996 published a series of articles about the Sherman Ranch. At that time, it was owned by the Sherman family, who had purchased it in 1994, that really detailed this area of incredible high strangeness. I mean, everything from the aforementioned UFO phenomenon and and even the, the kind of hitchhiker thing is is mundane compared to some of the bizarre reports that came out of the 1990s there. The blue meanies, the bulletproof wolf, the dog-headed people smoking cigarettes, invisible helicopters. There is just a bizarre plethora of phenomenon that could relate to things like ley lines or this Navajo curse that was mentioned, or perhaps there's some kind of portal there opening up to these strange realities. You know, I think about the first encounter the Shermans had on that ranch. And it involved that bulletproof wolf. They were unloading cattle and a wolf seemingly walked up to them and appeared to be tame. The wolf grabbed one of the calves through the bars of its enclosure. And they unloaded heavy firepower on this thing to get it to release this cattle. And it took uh, uh, a number of shots without seeming to be affected at all. In the end, a large chunk of flesh was shot off of the back of this thing, and it just trotted off into the woods as if nothing happened. And any other animal would have been deceased at this point. Supernatural occurrences were also par for the course as well. There was an instance that is very much like a poltergeist activity of Mrs. Sherman unloading groceries, only to find them packed back into the bags they had come from moments after she had turned her back on them. So we're not talking about stuff that's just limited to ghosts and and campfire tales, but, you know, these strange UFO phenomenon and instances of high strangeness, like cattle mutilations as well. It is a sordid history at the ranch. It's changed hands a few times over the years, of course, uh, most notably from the Shermans to Robert Bigelow. And then for a while, the mysterious adamantium holdings. Uh, who now, I mean, we're aware of, but for uh, for a couple of years there, it was just a mystery who who had taken over the ranch, at least in most circles. There were some funny theories, definitely. No. <laughs> uh, I looked into a lot of them. It was, it was actually quite entertaining to see what people theorized, who, who the owners of the ranch were. Was it anything <laughs> X-Men related or Marvel Comics? 
oh, you had, you know, you had everything from Elon Musk to, you know, uh, gosh, I'm trying to think who the other one that cracked me up was. Um, gosh, the big, who's the big motivational speaker guy? Oh, Tony um, Robbins? Yeah, it's Tony Robbins. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I used to send uh, Brandon screenshots of, of Tony Robbins at a baseball game. I'm like, what are you doing? You're the owner of Skinwalker Ranch. <laughs> so, no, you're right. Yeah, it's definitely it, – it, the, the, the thing, the 20 years that Robert Bigelow owned it is the big mystery, really, you know, um, because they really, other than George Knapp's book, meant money of the, you know, things that you, you know, just recited from that, from that book is, you know, it's unknown. It's, they haven't released anything. They've kept it really close to the vest. And, and so, you know, they, even when Brandon went and met with Mr. Bigelow, you know, he said, I'll sell you the property, but you know, everything I learned, everything that I've collected, whatever, it's mine. And, and so we've gotten a few tales here and there from people that individually worked on the ranch. But for the most part, everything that, you know, was discovered or noticed and things like that has been leaked out through story. But none of the data, none of the, you know, anything else has, has been released. So it's it's really it truly is. It, it's heightened the mystery for sure, especially when you throw government funding in there as well. Right. That yeah, was going to be uh, something I wanted to bring up there, the government funding aspect of it, because Bigelow was deeply involved with the U.S. government, uh, you know, doing this research into the UAP phenomenon. So one could only assume they had their hand in Skinwalker Ranch as well. Yeah, you have to wonder also they when you get the government involved and the mystery involved and then he doesn't want to talk about it. And there's so much emphasis on not digging underground. And I wanted to ask you that when it comes to the history, do you think that comes from the the indigenous native American people in the folklore having things buried there or some ancient artifact. If we're going to get a little bit weird or theoretical about it, what could possibly be underground at Skinwalker ranch uh, that could be affecting this? And uh, what do you think dragon? Uh, That's a good question. Um, You know, I've taken my fair share of a beating for the whole no digging narrative. Um, But it's hilarious. People love it. (laughs) And, you know, that was, that was the mandate given to me. And, and the only thing we could go off of was, well, some of the stories we'd heard. You know, we had George Knapp out and he talked about, you know, how speaking with the previous security guys and scientists there that it seemed like when they dug, then, you know, it basically would trigger certain things to happen. And, and then we had Thomas Winterton. We don't know exactly what the injury that happened to him was, but it was you know, it was close to taking his life. And the only thing we could tie it to is that he'd been doing some major excavation work, um, trying to build a road for us to be able to get around the property a little bit easier. Um, and then he came down with that injury that to this day, they still don't know exactly what it was. Um, and so, you know, we, we're throwing people, guests, film crews, whatever onto this property. And of course, Travis, being as cavalier as he is, he's like, first thing I want to do is start digging a hole. And so I said, wait a minute, we're not going to do that. Um, And, you know, the rest goes on. So honestly, I don't know. Um, You know, we've done all kinds of soil tests and things like that to see if there's, you know, there's the theory that there's possibly fallout from nuclear testing way back when it's kind of a downwind type area. Um, And really there's nothing there that really speaks to that. 
Um, you know, we've had geologists out there to look to see if there's anything, you know, extraordinary about the ground itself that would lend um, to anything that, you know, would come along that way. So I don't know exactly, you know, there's all kinds of stories about underground bases and underground civilizations and everything like that out there. I don't have any evidence of that. So I'm not going to speak to it and say that that's what I theorize. I, you know, and I don't know that it's all tied to, you know, the ground itself. If it's a respect thing, if it's an intrusion thing, you know, that's kind of what we're all trying to wrap our heads around. Yeah, it's really fascinating. Uh, I think that area is so intriguing to me because you get so many people that get fascinated with the UAP and UFO phenomenon, and they try to take that angle. And it's easy to assume these things are coming from outer space or from a foreign government. But then you get this uh, blending in at Skinwalker Ranch where you also have the paranormal activity and different uh, creatures, mythological type creatures, uh, apparently showing up. Uh, like Pete mentioned, even werewolf type entities, people seeing them apparently smoking or whether there's are they smoking cigars, Pete, or are they, they were smoke- smoking cigarettes and wearing trench coats? See, that, that's one I, I heard that one before. Yeah, <laughs> that one, there, there used to be a website that listed your probability of seeing all the creatures on Skinwalker Ranch. So it was like you had a 15% chance of seeing an orb, you know, you had a 10% chance of seeing a bulletproof wolf. But the people had encountered, uh, and there is historic precedence for these type of creatures. They're called the Cenocelophy. And the ancient Greeks believed that they were a race of dog-headed men. Mm-hmm. And they, they actually uh, you know, would recount stories of engaging in commerce with these beings. So uh, there is precedent for them to exist out there in the world. Uh, whether or not they're manifesting at Skinwalker Ranch, these kind of creatures from ancient Greek mythology, uh, you know, is, you know, your mileage may vary, I always say, when it comes down to what you believe. But it is part of the broader lore of the kind of creatures that have appeared there. The water babies uh, were another one. Uh, these various orbs, the blue meanies who liquefied a few cats, I believe, killed a couple dogs on the property back in the 90s. So a lot of this is whether it's real or whether it's blown completely out of proportion. Uh, you know, it is it's just part of that mythology that's built up around the place. Yeah. And you go clear back into the uh, Native American curses on the land, you know, over the Ute Indians and the warring and the slave trading that went on back in the day. And there's this whole dark history. And then there's also, is it Bottle Reservoir, Bottle Creek Reservoir? Bottle Hollow. Bottle, Bottle Hollow. What can you tell us about Bottle Hollow? Because I hear that coming up all the time when it, in relation to Skinwalker Ranch. It's further up north from the... It, actually, it's it's right. So it it is i don't know it's not very far um from the ranch valley literally the big mesa on top that everyone calls skinwalker ridge if you follow that directly north from the ranch there's bottle hollow reservoir it's owned and and uh run by the ute tribe so you have to have special permits to utilize it things like that okay Um, you know i've i've definitely heard stories um associated with you know things in around there um you know, we, we, we had a chance to speak a lot with the late um, Junior Hicks, um, who was you know, a historian in the basin, was just a treasure trove of knowledge, just sweet little man that, um, you know, was a science teacher in the basin and would, anytime there was 
anything would happen, they'd call him because they thought, well, you know, we can talk to junior about it, you know? And so he went through, you know, 40, 50 years of documenting um, the phenomenon and everything like that. And we had him out to the ranch. Um, he and his sweet little wife, um, uncle Jim Morse would go pick him up, bring him out there. Um, he'd sit and tell us stories and then he'd go take him for ice cream afterward and take him back. It was great. Um, he, I, I wish that, um, you know, the world could have known a little bit more about that guy, but he, you know, he told stories about bottle hollow of people claiming that they had seen craft fly over the reservoir with, you know, whether it be military, um, jets or whatever following it. And then it dives into the water and disappears as if there's some sort of an opening or, or underground or underwater, you know, base type of a thing and stuff like that. But, but I've also heard, you know, some not so great stories about, um, you know, people that for no reason see normal go to that area and feel overwhelmed and have committed suicide there as well. So, you know, there's, there's definitely creepy things that happen. Um, I think there is a lot to, um, the Native American presence in that area. Um, I think that, um, you know, the stories we've heard, we've heard and the curses and, and everything, a lot of it ties to that. And we've had a chance to speak with, with quite a few um, of the Native Americans, both from the Navajo and the Ute tribe um, that have been willing to talk to us and come on, on the property. And, you know, they are 100%, you know, believers in the fact that there's, you know, ancient, presences there you know one of them termed like he he felt like it's he's like i don't know what's going on but i just feel like there's the hills are full of people watching us you know you know old spirits things like that so the end of the day you know it's like you said you can't categorize it into one particular thing all you did is ask about bottle hollow and i just kind of (laughs) no i think it's really fascinating yeah go ahead mike yeah well i was just gonna say i think that's fascinating too and i think one of the things that a lot of folks who are interested in this ufo and uap phenomenon when they start to stumble into places like skinwalker ranch it kind of broadens their horizon a bit i'm like you dragon i've always been very skeptical of these sorts of things but i've always been fascinated by them and i really think that it's easy as a, a a human being to get very uh egocentric when it comes to what we know uh, and what we don't know. And I think that it's important for us to kind of step back and say, you know what, it's great to be skeptical, but it's also really important to be open-minded when you're considering these things, because we live in a bizarre reality. We live in a, you know, our, our, our reality is built on a, a quantum reality that is bizarre. And I think for us to pretend that we know everything uh, and, and our confidence in our, uh, you know, this idea that we can easily discount any sort of paranormal phenomenon because it hasn't happened to us, I think is, uh, is very egotistical. I agree. I think you get this resonant energy in, in a location that can occur Uh and it may be due to the geology or the history, but in the, in the end, our human experience is that of consciousness. And your consciousness being in an environment is also putting out an energy, an electromagnetic field of energy, and also a whole spectrum of things that we may not be aware of. And when you go through these traumatic events, especially large-scale trauma, and like a bottle hollow reservoir uh, and up in that area, it's like uh, becomes this kind of a, a vortex of negative energy unless you go in there with your own perceptions being like, this is a good place and I enjoy it here. And that seems to interface with your experience. Like, Dragon, you said that you 
go around the the Utah Basin in that area, and it's just home to you, and and you feel comfortable there. But other people feel this malevolent type of presence or or experience there, and almost kind of are open to the weird paranormal things that occur, and perceive suddenly almost like a negative experience looping from the past, from these historical events, or maybe there's like a, a time loop there. So if we want to get kind of weird or theoretical with it. Uh, Michael, what do you think is going on at Skinwalker Ranch? Do you think it's a vibrational energy where the reality is thin? Or do you think it's uh, an actual overlay of dimensional reality where other beings and entities that exist come through? Uh, what would you say if you were going to speculate? Yeah, I mean, I'm really excited with the breaking science that uh, physicists are doing with this idea of wormholes, right? So, you know, we still barely understand what a black hole is, and we're ex sitting here experimenting with this idea of wormholes, uh, you know, and theoretically they're possible. And for such a long time, you know, as we were beginning to get into quantum physics, we said, no, this is, this is just a, an oddity of the math. And it's really not. It's really not an oddity of the math. We're starting to discover that these things are possible. What we can't do yet is figure out how to open and close these things because they're extremely fragile and they're extremely tiny. Uh, but in the future, if we are able to leverage uh, some other exotic uh, forms of physics, maybe we can hold these things open and maybe other species uh, – either extraterrestrial or interdimensional have figured these things out. The universe is billions of years old. Uh, humans have been barely getting off this rock for the past 100 years. Uh, as Maeve says, yes, we are very anthropocentric. So I think it's, it's either, um, you know, I, I kind of go back and forth on a daily basis between my skeptical mind and, and my, uh, you know, theoretical mind. But I think, Pretty much anything is possible, and I'd really be curious if there isn't some sort of activity or intelligent activity utilizing, um, you know, these these sorts of wormholes or portals. Yeah, I think when you when you think of a technology or dimensional reality that moves different than the speed of light, our perception of reality is completely confined to just the colors of the rainbow and certain vibrational waveforms that we can perceive. But if something exists outside of that, like be below the infrared spectrum or above the ultraviolet spectrum, for example, moving at a different frame rate, then their ability to move through our reality, like a solid mountain or the reservoir or the the plateau of the Uintah Basin, if you're, if you're moving faster or slower than the speed of light, you could technically move through even the, what we perceive as solid matter, like it was sand or like it was smoke uh, and float through the empty space of it. And as you came in and out of that could be perceived like paranormally or some sort of a, a light in the sky or, or opening a portal and stepping through. Uh, and so I think all of that, when you get into the quantum science of it gets really interesting and, and possible. Pete, what do you think? You've been studying all the mysteries of the histories and all that stuff. Uh, what would you say your guess is theoretically on Skinwalker Ranch or what could be going on? In there? a lot of ways, the Skinwalker Ranch reminds me of a place in Massachusetts known as the Bridgewater Triangle. Yeah. This is another area of high intensity UFO sightings and poltergeist activity. Uh, you know, the, the only difference is that when we're talking about the Bridgewater Triangle, we're talking about a largely uh, wooded area that is forested compared to, you know, Skinwalker Ranch, which is a, an operating ranch, uh, you know, for lack of a better uh, explanation. Uh, I, I think, though, uh, what we're talking about is places where the veil between our reality and the possible other 
reality that overlaps ours exists. I'm a firm believer in something called ultra-terrestrials, or at least that's what I term them. These are creatures that may or may not exist, but originate here on this earth. And I think they have inspired legends like the Fey Folk, like creatures uh, uh, of Paracelsus uh, alchemy, the the elementals, if the you nymph, will. The nymphs of ancient Greece. and Exactly. Okay. I think that these were all inspired by actual ultra-terrestrial entities. I think that when you parallel some of the missing time people experience in these close encounters that are claimed, and some of the lore and legends of the Fey folk, which have very similar kind of stories, uh, I think that you, you'll find a, a lot of connotations that lead one to jump to the conclusion there may be a connection there. Uh, also, I'm curious about this. Uh, I did want to ask Dragon. Do you know if there are cave systems in the area around the ranch? Um, so we've been told a lot of stories about people going into caves. I mean, we've had individuals that, you know, lived there, whether they were, you know, relatives of the Shermans and things like that, have talked about these big cave openings and things like that. Um, we've done a lot of looking. Um, we've done a lot of, you know, searching around there. I mean, there's cave systems throughout the basin. It's just kind of, you know, the nature of that area. But, you know, in and around the ranch, we've we've looked a lot for okay. Um, and the crazy thing is, is the geology of that place changes so regularly. If you go back, um, you know, you can take the old geological surveys before we had Google earth and Google maps and things like that. And, you know, the very hillside, the Mesa side has, you know, you can see the change just based off of the soil type mm -hmm. and, you know, the actual structure of it. So there's a good possibility that there is a cave system there that the opening we just haven't been able to find yet. And we've done all sorts of crazy. I mean, you'll see um, we've done a lot of really intensive uh, mapping of the property over the past um, year now that you'll see some cool stuff about. Um, we've been looking for those things, you know, whether it be you know, through ground penetrating radar, through LIDAR, through, you know, photogrammetry, all of those things, because we've heard those stories and we want to see if there actually is something to it. So um, have we been able to find said cave system? Not yet. Um, we're not going to stop looking. Um, but as of right now, I, you know, on the ranch itself, which is really where we've done the bulk of our exploration, I haven't been able to, you know, really find anything. Okay. That's really interesting. Pete, I like that you brought up ultra terrestrials. Now people just kind of that, that term goes right over their head because they're used to the phrase extraterrestrials, but extraterrestrials kind of indicates something coming from outer space or from another planet or somewhere out in the universe. And ultra terrestrials is kind of this subcategory in there where it's more like an interdimensional type entity or something that pre-existed here on the earth or has lived in an alternate form of reality in this super spectrum of reality outside of our perspectives. Um, and there are these beings or entities that when they manifest or appear to us could take on all sorts of mimicry or types of shapes like shape shifters, like maybe dog men smoking in, in leather yeah. jackets or whatever, or, <laughs> or, or Bigfoot or even, uh, you know, gray aliens or paranormal poltergeist type entities, a, a whole host of different variety they're more of like uh they they tap into your sort of subconscious 
wiring and interface with that and then play on your own reality, almost like they're in a nightmare or a dream and they appear uh, based on your own subsystem. And John Keel did a lot of work and talked about ultra terrestrials as well. And I really agree with that in a lot of ways. I think that there, to think that there's other living beings not like right alongside of us uh, is, is kind of an interesting thought to, to go down that road. We well, brought um, that up earlier, right? I mean, that was one of the most important things that we have to recognize as human beings is that our five senses are incredibly limited, right? The bandwidth that we have to see what's actually going on in reality is so small. And most of our science is built on inference, right? So we're trying to understand things based on other things that happen. So we really can't see the things, even, even when you talk about uh, quantum mechanics, you really can't see. I mean, this is these are things that we understand based on predictive math. And then we test these things, but it's still happening in a black box. And we infer information based on that. We're blind. Human beings are blind when it comes to the spectrum of realities that are, that are existing in and around us at all times. Definitely. And we actually have another guest I'm going to bring on the show, uh, Pete, while you're going ahead, we're going to bring in Christina from the paradigm shift. She's a host of the, de- oh, the debrief as well. And she has uh, histories of the mysteries, I think mysteries and the mysteries with the history, mysteries with the history there. <laughs> so let's uh, welcome Christina to the show as well and get some of her, her input as well. So Christina, hi everyone. How you doing? Hey there. When uh, Carl invited me, I was in my PJs doing housework. Ready. Dragon, I wanted to, I wanted to ask you really quick, is that shirt you're wearing a uh, white Earp or a uh, doc holiday? It's doc holiday from tombstone. Yeah. Nice. We were talking about one of my favorite movies. So, yeah. Yeah, this is awesome. So, Christina, what do you think? What's your theory on Skinwalker Ranch? If you had to just throw it all on the table and say, this is what I kind of think might be going on. What what do you think is going on at Skinwalker Ranch? Well, I, I kind of wanted to ask Dragon a question. Hopefully that can kind of give me an answer. And I wanted to say, um, Dragon, how often do you sleep on the property? Like either taking a siesta or overnight? Because I'm interested in the whole dream concept when it comes to sleeping on Skinwalker Ranch. And uh, what people what people sleeping on the property remember of unusual or strange dreams. Do you ever encounter that? Um, so I, I sleep there all the time. Yeah, it's... That's where I stay when I'm working. I'm living in the command center that you see, that you've seen a little bit of on TV, you know, where we meet. Yeah. Around like, there's a couple of bedrooms in there. Um, one of them is mine. That's where I stay. Uh, and, and honestly, once I got past the initial, you know, stories and all that, you know, the woo-woo stuff, and I spent more time there, like in the beginning, I, I, was, I didn't sleep, but it wasn't necessarily a dream thing. Um, mm-hmm. it was more of just, I'd heard stories and I had my pistol under my pillow waiting, <laughs> you know, <laughs> the next bulletproof wolf to come running through the door or something like that. So, um, but, but definitely, I mean, um, without going into it too much, um, cause I don't know how much they're going to touch on this, but I can tell you that Travis, um, doesn't sleep well there ever the entire time he's there. Like, he has the craziest dreams. He has, uh, he has, he wakes up just, you know, haggard and beaten because he doesn't feel like he can sleep. He's hearing voices. He's feeling strange sensations, having the most bizarre dreams. And then, you know, he'll go home back to Alabama where he's from, even just for a weekend or something like that. And 
he sleeps like a baby. And then as soon as he comes back to the ranch, he, it, 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 it drives him crazy. It really does. And, you know, it's been interesting to see him go from, you know, the biggest skeptic to somebody that's like, I, I still can't explain it. I still am not willing to completely drink the Kool-Aid, but there's definitely something uh, that is messing with, you know, his dream state and, and everything else. But as far as I'm, as far as I am, people ask me that all the time. How dare you, how do you sleep out there all by yourself? I'm like, I don't know. To me, I, I don't know if it's just, I've become accustomed to the place or I'm at peace with the place or the place is at peace with me, but I sleep like a baby. I'm dead tired at the end of the day. And I, <laughs> now you have had one, I know you mentioned on the unidentified celebrity review with Michael and, and Luis, you mentioned uh, having one encounter that was sort of like paranormal where you felt something come up and sort of shove your bed. Would you mind telling us that incident or some of your actual paranormal type experiences yeah, that I you mean, had had happened to you? Sure. I, you know, that that's one of the things to me that is, is the strangest. Cause there's really no explanation for it. Um, you know, I wasn't even asleep. So I know that it wasn't a dream thing or me twitching in my sleep, which I, I know I do. Um, it, I was, it was the end of the day. I was just laying in bed, looking on my phone. I don't know who knows what I was playing a game, looking at YouTube, something. And it felt as if, you know, and I've got kids and they've ran into my bed before and, you know, startles you and things like, but it felt like something just literally came up and need my bed really hard. And it shook the whole thing. Um, so I got up and, and wandered around and looked around and actually, you know, Caleb Bench, who, you know, works security with me out there, um, he was in the other bedroom. So I walked into his room and said, uh, did you, were you up? Did you do something? Did you drop something? He kind of like looks at me like, what are you talking about? I'm sorry, the lights in this place keep going off. That's okay. um, and I said, so I told him and he just kind of rolled his eyes at me. And so I went back and about, I don't know, five or six minutes later, he comes walking in and his eyes are like the size of golf balls. And he's like, dude, that same thing just happened to me. And that, and that was it. It was like an instance of, Hey, we're here. We're going to let you know about it. Type of a thing is what it felt. Obviously I didn't sleep terribly easily. easy that <laughs> way. Um, But yeah, I mean, that was definitely a strange experience where, I mean, it was not just, you know, something shifting or whatever. It was a physical as if somebody really hit the side of the bed, somebody or something um, hit the side of the bed and, and shook us pretty good. So, you know, that's Wild. definitely one of the most like physical, a lot of the things I've experienced are, you know, feelings, um, stuff like that. But as far as an actual physical manifestation of something being there, uh, that was definitely one of the most, um, definitely one of the craziest things I've, I've experienced. Dragon, can I ask you a quick question about uh, episode four? I don't know if you remember it or not, but at the end of the episode, you guys are all sitting at the table and uh, somebody pointed up and said, there, there's one in the sky, there's a UFO, and you all looked up and saw it. And then we saw it cut to, and it looked like, I couldn't tell if it was a video from that day or if it was edited in from a previous video. Do you know if that was actual video footage from that fighting that day in that last episode? It was. Um, the thing it was, is, yeah, those things, you know, and the funny thing was, is I don't know if too many people picked up on it. So Jim Morse, um, you know, who 
started out as kind of, you know, the ranch, they call him the ranch manager, things like that. He's more of our, like, you know, he's our public relations slash make friends with everybody guy. Um, and he loves to wear crazy vests. So, um, but you, you could see when he got in the UTV after that, I mean, that was his first experience ever seeing anything like that. And, wow. you know, cause he's, he's not around as often and things. And so you could see, he sits in there and it was one of my favorite lines from that episode is he's like, um, I definitely saw that. I don't know what it was, but I definitely saw that, you know, you, he didn't even have words um, to explain. So yeah, um, that was from that, those things. I don't know. We've got to work with those guys to have a camera trained on that area. That's what I was saying. Like, why don't they have just a camera pointing that direction at all times? And we're working on getting like, you know, almost like a fisheye camera that points to the sky all the way around the place. We've been working hard um, on getting that sort of technology because, you know, these things, they show up, they're there briefly. You notice when, by the time those camera guys get these big, huge cameras around, you know, they maybe catch a glimpse of it. And then, and then it's gone. So, um, but yeah, no, that was from when, when Ariel was there, when Rabbi Ariel Zadakis was out there, that was actual footage from that time. Thank you. That's awesome to hear. That's so fascinating. Let's go ahead and bring in Luis just joined up. He's backstage Luis. right now. So we're going right, to now. Hey. So now Dragon's done. Dragon, Dragon's got to go. <laughs> Dragon's got to go. Nice to, nice to briefly say hello. Uh, what's up, guys? Pete! Pete! Hey, how do you do? What's up, bro? We finally get to talk face-to-face. Can you believe oh, you? Good to see you. Good to see you, man. I really love your channel. I fall I like. Don't take I this the wrong way. I t- I fall asleep to it all the time, oh, especially es- especially the late the later one. That's the one I usually pass out to because I'm just not zogged out by that. That's why you know what? I do it late now. Yeah, oh, it's the, the best part is the intermission, all that music. It's like <laughs> the, so I, good. I, I will tell you, Pete. The your Patreon commercial has inspired the entire. Uh, tone of my channel. <laughs> wait till you wait till you see what we've got cooked up, dude. It's all I, when I saw that I was like, "That's brilliant! That's absolutely brilliant!" He's such so, an inspiration to all no, of us. He is cool. Thank you very much. Cool dude. I can't wait to get the weirdo, folks. That's all. no, and that's the best part. You're a professional weirdo. Listen, Dragon, don't get upset. I also love you <laughs> very, very much. I am not upset at all. I know my love is deep for you though, because last time I, I I expressed my love for for someone following me, you got very jelly. Oh, and I was I was, I was it actually no, I know, yeah, I know. It actually, <laughs> it's just fun. I like it's I like people that you can you know banter with and just, yeah, you know, and you take it well. It was just funny. Well, you found no. your home here then, because that's us. Yeah, that's totally <laughs> us. That is absolutely one hundred percent us. Listen, I didn't mean to to throw off the rails of the co- of Seriously, the conversation. Uh, what are we talking about? What's going on? <laughs> <laughs> so we've been talking yeah. about the uh, theoretical side of skinwalker ranch instead of just mm. sticking to the television show uh we're digging into the history and some of the mysteries of it and then being open about our theories what we think is going on at the place uh, uh i also wanted to dig into a little bit you know on the show they did uh you guys discovered some petroglyphs i'm getting a little bit of an echo now Luis. maybe you've got your you volume or something going on yeah. but they uh um 
Oh. The petroglyphs, I feel like, got looked at by a specialist. There was that the uh, Hebrew ritual that was done, the yes, Jewish right. uh, mystic ritual yeah. that was done. I thought that was actually really important to me as somebody that studies the ancient mysticism and some of that. Uh, there's like the pace of you and some of the ancient theories and mystic stuff that revolves around the Big Dipper and Polaris and the North Star and the uh, Draco constellation and how they revolve around the North Star. There's very specific historical rituals involved in opening portals to make contact with extra dimensional or ultra terrestrial beings, what they considered their gods at the time. And there was uh, ancient people that used to do these rituals. And when you go out even in the desert now around the Grand Canyon, all the way up through in Sago Canyon, you still find the Native American people will go and they'll make what look like looks like a dream catcher of stones on the ground and sit in the middle of it and do particular rituals. And even over in Asia, when they do this, like the Kala Chakra initiation, there's a high correlation with these rituals and UFO sightings or paranormal encounters or dimensional beings stepping through. And I wanted to ask you, Dragon, just a, a quick segue into that. Is there any more being done on that mystical side of the paranormal and, and tying into the ancient history of the location and, and not just the science? Yeah. And, you know, I'm glad you brought that up because, you know, that that's really the thing that interests me the very most. I mean, yeah, it's cool to do the science experiments, things like that. But, you know, my feeling on the place and what's going on is, is more from call it a spiritual side of thing or a mystical, you know, side of things, as opposed to, you know, we're going to trigger something by shining a laser into it or whatever to happen. Um, you know, I honestly, episode four, because now it's aired and we can talk about it, it was, is probably one of my favorites hmm. because it's centered a little bit more around, you know, that side of things, which has always fascinated me more. You know, I wish that I've, I've contended I, I would like us to do more with the Native Americans, have, have them come out, um, you know, more and, and go through that. And we did. And, you know, for whatever reason, it didn't. It, it hit the cutting room floor. Maybe it'll it, maybe it'll show up. At, you know, at some other time, because I, to me, that was some of the most profound experiences I've had out there. This experience with having um, Ariel come out and do his chants and, you know, and basically take it from that side. I mean, according to, you know, their traditions and things with their tonal technology, they have the ability to open and close portals, if you will. And so that was the whole mm -hmm. point of that. And, you know, just because we didn't see, you know, something open up or anything come out. I don't know. I can't, I honestly can't explain it. It was hot that night. It was really hot. And when we went walking down, when we saw things on the FLIR camera, like getting, looking different, you know, it was like the heat signature kept changing on and off. And so when we went walking in there and it was freezing cold, I mean, it was like walking into you know, like a walk-in freezer type of a thing. Hmm. But the strange thing was to me is it almost felt like the cold came from in out as opposed to like, you know, you know, it's cold here now. So that, that definitely, I'm glad you brought that up because as far as physical experiences I've had, that was definitely one of the most strange and interesting. 
and it was freezing. We walked around and came back to the front and the temperature started to rise again. And, and you could see it. You know, I'm glad that Eric, it was kind of, you know, on a whim, he decided to throw that FLIR camera out there and see what would happen under that. And it was crazy to watch in the very beginning, the treetops get super, super hot. And then it's almost like, you know, this, this blanket of heat coming down, which, you know, heat usually goes up. And then all of a sudden in the center, it gets really cold and spreads out and the whole place gets cold. So it it really was. And I know that there's some follow-up coming up to that. So I can't really, you know, go into it, but, but it definitely to me was, I would love to see us do more on that side of things because that's, that's more, you know, the feeling I have about the place. You asked, what do I think is going on to me? I don't think that it's spaceships. I don't, there may be craft. Yes. I mean, Obviously, we've seen that sort of thing, but I think it's more of a dimensional type thing. You know, speaking to what Mike was saying earlier, you know, it could be a thin spot. You know, it could be the basin is, is you know, if you look at it, there's a bowl and Skinwalker Ranch sits kind of dead center. So is it because it's able to focus energy there that it allows for that sort of thing to happen? We don't know. You know, that's also what we're trying to figure out. Um, but to me, the way I've felt things, the way that I've seen things come and go, um, I would say it's more of an interdimensional, um, you know, inner realm, whatever you want to, what you want to say, a thin spot in that is what lends itself to all this, all the strange things. I, you know, it's hard for me to believe that it's, you know, an ancient a, a spacecraft from outer space. But then again, I don't know that. What do you guys think about the breakaway civilization or with the Wakanda hypothesis? Yeah. I mean, that goes back into the Shaver mystery a little bit and the, uh, the ultra terrestrials being like a dimensional beings that live alongside us or kind of hide under the oceans or under earth in that sense. And the native indigenous ancient people would have had more contact with them because they're not all distracted in our physical reality with cell phones and the internet and this whole story going on. They were there in their environment a little bit more. Before we dig into that really deep, I just wanted to mention really quick, because this is my show and I have the opportunity to do it finally. (laughs) Put away, Carl. (laughs) Which is that when it comes to the petroglyphs dragon, one thing that I noticed is that they were specific about where they're positioned in the sky. If that was actually the Big Dipper and the Draco constellation, then it's actually telling you a time of day. Uh, meaning you have the horizon line carved along the bottom of the petroglyph and the Big Dipper down at a particular angle and then the Draco constellation up at another angle and then different triangular shapes uh, sort of on that petroglyph rock. That would indicate to me when the stars are aligned at a particular time or, or place where the Big Dipper would be settled down on the plateau and Draco would be up to the right. So that would be like around three o'clock in the morning or something like that. So I wonder if even the time of day doing these ancient rituals would tie into that or the specific people that were doing it, doing a a ritual or mystic thing that resembled more of what they would have done uh, to make them carve that as a clue. So that was the first thing that jumped out to me. Um, You know, I, it it never got mentioned, but honestly, I think, that that little chunk of rock is just a fraction of what's left from what was a bigger picture. I mean, you look, there's other massive rocks there that have that same, uh, you know, kind of desert 
uh, varnish underneath that have like broken up. I think that that's a tiny part of a much bigger picture. So based on what you see there, yes, it's easy to say, okay, this rock is containing the entire picture. I think that there was a lot more to it. You know, you look around the area. I can't imagine they would just pick that one little spot. My belief is that there was a bigger rock face there. And so we're seeing, you know, one piece of a 500 piece jigsaw puzzle possibly. Um, But we're talking massive slabs of rock. You know, we've turned over some others to see, but you can see it looks like it's fractured off. Um, But it's definitely something to look at. You know, no theory that, you know, is thrown out there. Are we going to just dismiss, Um, you know, it's, it's, the fun thing about it and the frustrating thing is one person can look at it and say that they see this and another person can look at it and say that they see this depending on what their mental background is or, you know, their frame of view, like everything's going to be a star chart to Travis because that's his deal. You know, whereas you may bring in, um, which we did a native American gentleman to look at it and he'd say, you know, it's a serpent. This is the story that they were trying to tell so on and so forth. So, you know, it's, it's all, it's, it's all just so open to interpretation. Um, but, you know, let's chat offline again and tell me again what you just explained and, and let's look into that. See, you know, if anything correlates with what happens at certain times of day or whatever, you know, let's, that's definitely, we're not going to, you know, we're, we're trying to figure out what the hell is going on there just like everybody else has done. So, you know, we'll take any sort of, you know, real, good you know direction and and see if there's anything to it for sure definitely michael you brought up the wakanda theory of the breakaway civilization like uh explain a little bit more about that and then we'll see what everybody on the panel has to say yeah i'm just curious what your all's thoughts are on that because this idea you know we've we've only explored three percent of the earth's oceans uh you know we see things like tic tacs uh potentially coming out of the oceans we think of uh potential submersive uh ufos so the, my, my curiosity has always been is there potentially another civilization that's far more technologically advanced potentially has mastered uh you know this these sort of interdimensional um, you know, uh, sciences and are they possibly living, living here now? And, uh, you know, with it possibly within, within the earth. Definitely. What's your thoughts on that, Luis? What do you think? Uh, it's pretty wild. Wake up, wake up, Luis. Yeah, no, it's pretty, it's pretty wild to think, man. I mean, Wakanda, you know, like hiding right in front of us, that would be, I, I, I do like the idea of exploring the oceans more. I think for, then again, I mean, you know, you have to concentrate budgets on certain things. Um, but the, this idea that I'm not sure if it's just 3%, I feel like that number is low. Like you could go to Google maps and you could get a mapping of the entire ocean floor and it's pretty damn accurate. Um, but with that said, I agree. We haven't sent it. We've sent less instruments down there than we have into space. And I don't understand why. <laughs> uh, I know that the, the military, the Navy, in, was it uh, World War II or after World War II? They had the most, um, 
detailed, they mapped the entire seafloor, including uh, the Mariana Trench, which is the deepest part of our oceans. It, it's deeper than it is the Himalayas or high. Um, and, you know, we can't get to the bottom of that. That's that's kind of weird. I mean, we can get down there with with an un, you know, a UAV, an unmanned vehicle, but we can't get down there in, in an actual submarine but we're la- we've landed on the moon <laughs> like yeah. you know like it's that to me is there's a huge disconnect there and i think you're right i mean it wouldn't shock me if we went down there and we found you know james cameron's version of the abyss you know an entire right, civilization that is that is interacting with us on a whole other level that we don't even realize um so yeah i mean it's a cool theory i definitely like the idea of it you have Bob Bigelow also, you know, in many interviews saying, well, where are these beings if they're extraterrestrials? And he says they're not necessarily from outer space. They're right mm-hmm. under our noses, you know, and then they, he just kind of That's something that, that comes with, back a lot with these government guys. Like Elizondo said, could be right in front of us. Could be right under our feet. <laughs> you know? Yeah, like, which brings up this whole Wakanda theory, not necessarily being like a physical location, but an overlapping dimensional reality that sort of like uh, bleeds into ours or bumps up with surface tension to ours and they have the ability. Christina, what's your thoughts on, on what's going on at Skinwalker Ranch? I mean, I find this such a fascinating area of research and I, and I can tie it to, to some of the, um, you know, strange things that happen around Man- like Mount Shasta in, in California and possibilities with the history of Atlantis, but also um maybe maybe is involved with the strange like the some strange disappearances that have been documented by dave politis in missing 411 you know there there are really really strange things occurring all the time you know in the oceans on land everywhere and you know there's still disappearances in the bermuda triangle and the asian devil's triangle and um you know like like i said so many people are just, you know, disappearing off the face of the earth every single year. You know, so many vanish. Yeah, it's very interesting. It makes you question the nature of reality. Like Dragon, you were mentioning the vibrational sense of reality that we actually live in waveforms and what we perceive as physical objects are really just densities of vibration where physical matter has formed together or aligned itself and gotten entangled with itself and creates a vibrational pattern that we perceive as solid. But if these entities or beings, this breakaway civilization somehow has the technology to move inside or outside of that or through that control that vibrational reality, then we could see a whole bunch of different paranormal events associated with that, that we can't fathom. Uh, Pete, what do you think? You've been studying the history of all these different mysteries and stuff like that. So what you, you brought up John Keel and the ultra terrestrials. So. Right. And, and this is all interconnected every little bit of this. So, I mean, we can go back all the way to the Shaver mystery where he spoke of a great beings from space known as the Atlans and the Titans who came to this planet in ancient times. They created a slave race called the abandoned Arrow. And then after they were on this planet for too long, the rays of the sun changed and they could not survive here anymore. So the Atlans and the Titans left and they left the Abandoned Arrow here. The Abandoned Arrow diverged into two distinct races, the Taro, which retained their humanity, and the Darrow, which were, for lack of a better term, biological robots. But they were depraved. 
they're wrong. They're, and they're, they're very much like the alien greys as described. Like they're yes. kind of like these bio biological living organisms that look like alien greys and the taros are, are different, more benevolent type beings, but it's almost like the Anunnaki mystery. Exactly. Very, very similar in the ancient Greek mysteries. So go ahead, Pete. And, and we continue on with the idea with these ultra terrestrials and they've come up again and again, as we talk about this. And especially when Christina mentioned missing 411, I believe these ultra-terrestrials are responsible for these kind of disappearances. And I also believe ancient religions like uh, Islam speaks to these creatures in their scriptures. They are called the jinn, and they are a race that existed on the planet before humanity was created. They had used and abused the planet, had engaged in senseless wars, and were cursed by Allah to no longer live on this plane of existence. Yet mm. they still have supernatural abilities and can interact with us. They are not angels. They are not demons. They are not human. They are the jinn. And they fit this bill for these ultra-terrestrials just as well as Paracelsus and his elementals did, and just as well as these ultra-terrestrials do that John Keel spoke about. Yeah, so a big topic. And yeah, I, I think <laughs> the whole show. I don't know if you guys knew this about Pete, but I just recently learned this. He almost was a priest. Yeah. Yeah, they mm -hmm. tried to recruit me when I was in high school. A priest, like for the Catholic Church? Mm -hmm. For the Catholic Church, that's right. I was. I went through 12 years of parochial education, and my senior year, they gave us all a little test. Wow. And then this is based on the results of your test. You got called down to the auditorium where two priests from the seminary sat and talked with you for a half hour and tried to recruit you for the priesthood. Well, Dragon and I used to be saints, actually. So. <laughs> <laughs> no, we grew up both Mormon uh, oh, <laughs> in okay. that realm. So that's we're here in the in the Utah area. So bringing a little bit of that hometown flavor. But yeah, the, <laughs> go ahead, Luis. No, I was going to ask a question to you guys because I'm, I'm, you know, we talk about portals, right? And how these ancient rituals open up portals. Are these portals one of three things? Either they're actual portals that you can see with your eyeballs, right? Like, and I don't know what you would see inside this portal or on the other side of this portal. If I, I'm not sure how the portal would work, right? But it, they're either they're either physical, you can see them, or B. You're, it's manifesting in your consciousness, and it's it seems so real. It's it's it, it it's in you know if that makes sense. It's just it's in your brain. It's in your head, and and but the but the feelings and the visceralness of it is still very very real. Or C, it's kind of both of those things. I mean, what what do you think? What do you guys think? Is it is it one or the other, or is it maybe both? Because you you say we have ancient rituals that they try to do today. Why don't they open up the portals that their ancestors, you know, uh, were were opening up? Is it because they've lost some of the knowledge? You know, or I, go for it, Pete. If I may interject, some actually accuse the modern ufo phenomenon on the work of occultists they say that jack parsons and l ron hubbard were engaged in something called a babylon working in the mojave desert and not long after this occult undertaking do we have the first sightings of flying saucers on mm -hmm. mount rainier so uh between that and alistair crowley uh doing some work with a being known as lamb or Iwas, who translated the Book of the Law to him. And if you've ever seen an illustration of this creature, 
This was done in 1911, I believe, this drawing, 19, somewhere between 1901 and 1911. And, and to look at this illustration, it looks like a typical gray alien. Mm. It's fascinating. Yeah. And and going back to, to the Shaver mystery and ultra terrestrials, that was a couple of years uh, before Kenneth Arnold and his sightings even. And he yeah. described these flying craft and ultra terrestrial beings. And Kenneth Arnold himself, even though he was the guy that coined the phrase flying saucers and was quoted in all the newspapers as calling them flying saucers. He, when you read his actual writings, said that these were from the earth or a parallel dimension of reality inside the earth and under the ocean. It wasn't extraterrestrials from outer space. So I think we're picking at a really interesting topic here and we're just a little bit over an hour. So we're going to wrap this up here in just a minute, but I wanted to go around the room and get any kind of final thoughts about what we hope to see done at Skinwalker Ranch. If we had our wish, had one wish that we could make, what is something that you would want done or research done or Ooh. a mystical method done at or scientific research done at Skinwalker Ranch? And, uh, yeah, we'll just go around the room. Uh, uh, Dragon, why don't you go ahead and go first? If you had your wish as the head of security, what would you do as an experiment or, or mystical type thing that you would bring onto the ranch to try and explore it? You know, I, I think we've done some of what interests me the most, but I would like to delve deeper into it um, more. I would like to do more with, um, you know, the Native American folks um, from, you know, the various tribes, uh, both the Navajo and the Ute tribe, because, you know, that's kind of the crux of the, you know, the whole lore behind the Skinwalker and everything like that. And and when we've had those, um, those people out, then it it's been really cool and, and what they say resonates and things like that. And, you know, it, it adds to a different non tainted perspective off of science or science fiction or whatever. I mean, they, they hold true to their beliefs and the things that they've been taught. And it's interesting to see the parallels between what you can say, what they may say, we may say as a portal in modern times, they talk about, you know, a rainbow bridge that their ancestors traveled on mm. things of that nature. I love that stuff. So for me, I would really rather delve more into, you know, that side of things. And the, I, again, you know, I use the term, the spiritual side or, you know, that, that side of things as opposed to so much, you know, hammering it as a, as a science project all the time. Um, because I think that we can get closer to more of an understanding that way than we can by, you know, just, instrumenting the hell out of the place. I think that's important to try and capture things and see if they can correlate. But to me, it's more of, you know, the human spiritual element that I would like to see us, you know, do a little bit more of. I agree with you, Dragon. And honestly, you know, a lot of the scientific equipment that they bring in, if you were to break it open and look at it, you realize it's just crystals in there. There's vibrating crystals or lasers going through crystals. And in the end, it's all kind of our scientific mm -hmm. equipment is very mystical based anyways in the end. So mm -hmm. I think it's very interesting. What do you what do you think, Pete? What would you like to see done there? You know, I'm going to echo that sentiment. You never send a scientist to do a wizard's job. <laughs> 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 I, I, I think you need a team of wizards here. I think if you had to put together a little X-Men group of maybe some shaman, maybe some trained occultists, uh, I like that idea quite a bit. I, I think that really to crack this kind of nut, you're dealing with things that science can't quantify. You just, you can't, I mean, how much, how much does a ghost weigh? Come on. Right. 
Right. You know, science can't answer those questions. We've seen this for years. I mean, there are famous people who have made a, 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 a great living about things that go bump in the night and using the scientific method to try and determine what just, oh my God, what just touched my leg? You know? So uh, yeah. I think at the end of the day, you need to bring in some wizards. So I'm right, I'm right with that sentiment. So let's, let's get the wizards going. Get the wizards going and surround them with the with the scanners and the latest and the lasers and the three sixty cameras and then sit them out there to do their wizardry. Yeah, yeah, I love that, Pete. What about you, Luis? If you had your choice, you've been very critical of the show Skinwalker Ranch. I have. I've been critical of the science. Of it. I haven't been critical of the entertainment. No, I the, enter- the, the entertainment. I've been. I thought so far, entertainment wise, I thought season one's been more entertaining because we. I got a lot more dragon in season one. <laughs> right. Uh, season two, I'm not getting as much dragon. But you know what? I just real quick. I thought this last episode could have been all about Rabbi. <laughs> Honestly, like I wanted to know the philosophies of why he was doing what he was doing. And, and I wanted, I like that eloquent take that you had, Bryant, um, with, uh, you know, how you're into this and how you thought this was the best episode and why you believed it was and, and those feelings that you got from it. And we don't get those little nuances in the show and it's a bummer. And now that's why I'm glad we get to do this with you sometimes. Um, but what I would say, I like what Pete's saying, bring the wizards. I'm with you, man. Bring the wizards, but I would say, going back to what Bryant's saying, and I don't know if this is possible, and I can't remember whether or not I brought this up when you were on my show, but this idea of donating, opening the land to the native tribes and letting them do whatever the hell they want on that land, um, just completely open it up to only them. And, and keep all the other elements of that ranch intact, but come to an agreement with the local people and try and heal it, if that's possible. A spiritual healing by the people that are from there. Um, what happened to my camera? I don't know. Uh, but you guys <laughs> yeah. can still hear me. It doesn't matter. Yeah, Walker um, they're in disagreement. Yeah, with you, no, Louis. they're, they're in total. In the, the spirits, spirits are, are not having it. Uh, <laughs> I can switch cameras. No problem. Um, but uh, yeah, so it's like I would donate the land back to them while at the same time coming to an agreement with them that, hey, we would also love to, to scientifically study this as we're spiritually healing it. I think we need both. We can't have one too much of one and too much of the other. I think both are necessary. And I think documenting it in an honest and true way where we get those those really intimate moments that dragon shares with us on this show, or that I'm sure the rabbi had at either one of those two discussions that they filmed with him. Um, I know there was some great nuggets that hit the editing floor and I'm so bummed because I felt like you could have really filled all of that with whatever he was saying. <laughs> I was in, I was like, I was so fascinated by him. And then when we got, um, uh, uh, Jim to go back and give us the history of the ranch with the pictures and the Native American. I'm like, dude, this is what the show should be. Um, in my opinion, of course, you know, I'm just one guy, but like, uh, but yeah, bring the wizards and, 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 but also back it with some science, I think. Yeah, definitely. I agree with all of that, uh, Luis. I think that would be really interesting. It might be complicated to bring the Native American people onto the land, but. Uh, yeah, seeing how they would react. I liked in the episode uh, where, oh, I can't remember his name now, but he had the experience as a young boy and they went to seek shelter oh, wow. in the weather and then got terrified by 
paranormal events. And he almost seemed, I would love to hear the conversation off camera. Like he was almost tormented or haunted by this thing over the years and his whole experience with that. Uh, Christina, what about you? What would you see done if you had your way? Would, would you go to Skinwalker Ranch and what would you do? Okay, well, yes. I mean, easy yes. I would go. But I, I'm, I'm, for this case, I'm leaning more on the scientific side. And I would want them to, you know, focusing more powerful cameras on the skies at all times with like a trigger alarm for something significant being live monitored. I think that would be more useful along with you know floor thermal cameras monitoring the property hot spots 24 7. but the biggest one i think my, my, my favorite one at least is allowing me to come like camp out there and uh, where, where the portals appear and I'll, I'll just jump right through it with my handy camera mm. <laughs> <laughs> you gotta tie a rope around your waist first yeah. no 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 yeah. i'm going all in go big or go home jesus well just make sure you bring plenty of ice cream christina because that sounds like uh you may not come back kiddo this is true <laughs> I, I, I gotta bring the ice cream that, and the noodles yeah, I think she'd be totally in for that. I think she's up for it. Michael, what about you, my friend? What would you do if you had your way and could go there and do whatever? Yeah, you know uh, me. I'm very, I'm skeptical, but I'm also, I'm very, very open-minded and fascinated by this topic. And I really think that you need both. And I love this idea of bringing the wizards in because I, I do wonder to what level paranormal activity reacts vibrationally with human interaction. And I wonder if coming with too much skepticism actually closes the door to the data. So I think you need both. I think you need to come with uh, bring the wizards and document the shit out of it. I agree with Christina completely. Get some incredible high resolution, great lenses, great cameras uh, that can that can operate uh, at so many frames a second that you could slow it down. Keep those things positioned in the sky and uh, let's see what's up there. Yeah, I think that's awesome. We've gone around the room. Everybody shared their ideas a little bit and theories about what could be going on. We talked about ultra terrestrials, the paranormal, uh, interdimensional reality overlapping. Everybody's kind of asking where the links are and where everybody can find you guys. I will refresh and put all of the links down in the description below as soon as this video ends. I think I've already got uh, Dragon's uh, Twitter on there, Pete from Creepy Little Book, Michael from the Singularity Lab. We had Luis and Christina kind of hop on uh, late today and join the panel as well. So I'll include their link trees so you can find them. But Dragon, uh, tell everybody where they can find you. And uh, <laughs> just on Twitter, right? I'm not telling you where you can find <laughs> We're working on that. I'm going to get Dragon on. <laughs> There's going to be an analysis of the background and the type of windows in that building very yeah. soon. I, I, I want to hide most of the time. <laughs> um, no, I it, it's funny. Uh, yeah, I'm on Twitter at SW at, at SWR Dragon. Um, you know, I'm not terribly active there. I've got other things to do, and usually when I am active, all it does is cause a shitstorm. So. <laughs> um, the internet you, loves a shitstorm, Dragon. Yeah. <laughs> Next no, time it, we, it, it's so crazy. You know, I was gonna. It really quickly people are funny uh you know <laughs> i post on a friend's uh twitter page uh about uh you know something he was doing with his kids saying oh that's great you know all of a sudden i get some guy accusing me of being a double agent 
for the government. <laughs> thing. Dude, <laughs> you know, and it's like they jump in on. I'm like, that doesn't have anything to do with anything. Yeah. <laughs> like, every well, time they do something, they start discovering something. You shut it down. Reeks of double agent. You know. And <laughs> down and like, Welcome to the fringe, Dragon. Uh, <laughs> What does that have to do with me commenting on my buddy's kids making a <laughs> I don't get that. So. Anyway, but, You're trying uh, to look like a person. I'm on Twitter, you know, and I, you know, I'll, I'll interact some if, if people are, you know, cool about it. So. Dragon's on Twitter. He's also on the History Channel on a TV show, uh, The Secret of Skinwalker Ranch. Check him out there, you guys, if you haven't seen it already. Yeah, and, well, uh, I didn't even know we weren't on last this past week until I got. Neither like, did we. <laughs> yeah, but, but i think i think we're back on tuesday so yeah nine eastern on history channel that's so awesome to have you here dragon and you're welcome Thank back you. anytime to talk fun. about things i would love to come up there to the ranch and check it out sometime i know that's complicated but uh, pete tell everybody where they can find you pete Hi, everybody. I'm Pete from The Creepy Little Book. You can find me right here on YouTube. I do a show every single night of the year, including holidays and weekends, where I delve into mysteries from the esoteric to the extraterrestrial, everything from the spiritual to the supernatural, and all that lies in between. You can find us at 1 a.m. Eastern Standard Time, Monday through Friday, as well as 11 p.m. on Saturdays and Sundays, and sometimes, just sometimes, I squeak them in at 3 a.m. Eastern Standard Time, too, because I don't sleep. <laughs> I'm a strange good. man. Go check Can out the creepy little and get really like that. Hey, I'm dragging. <laughs> Dude, I I think he's he's the, oh he's probably the only one of us who's got the kind of microphone that can handle that kind of uh, that kind of speech, dude. Do you see why I want him on our show, Michael? Oh, hundred percent, dude. We've got to get together. Uh, I know I keep saying that, but I'm glad I saw you face to face, Pete. Um, because oh, yeah, I, I've I've got some ideas I want to run by you. Uh, but yeah, I'm I'm Luis Jimenez. You can find my channel, Unidentified Celebrity Review, that I do Monday, Wednesday, Friday with michael and sometimes christina and carl uh so stop on by and uh yeah we have guests all the time we talk about uaps ufos uh but we always bring it back to a terrestrial reality so um terra firma firma. yeah i want to say terrestrial reality because that makes me sound like it it's definitely human it's definitely (laughs) not human um Cool. That's it. Thanks. Yeah. Big, big guests coming on uh, the unidentified celebrity view all the time. So make sure and check out that channel. Christina, tell everybody what you've got going on. You got some new stuff over on your channel. Yes. uh, First, you can find me on Twitter at eyes on the skies where I post a ton of really fascinating stuff. And every single Friday I have a pod, a live cast called shifting the paradigm where I interview UFO researchers and enthusiasts and now I have a new show inspired by my friend Pete creepy little book called mysteries with a history covering all kinds of mysterious topics and they kind of just happen whenever they happen definitely (laughs) so that's awesome now check out but I'll also be doing um, outside boots on the ground research soon on camera and I'm really excited because the weather is all nice going to be really cool. So you're going to be going out, out in the field looking for paranormal, Bigfoot, ancient mysteries, all kinds of hot Everything. Spot. Everything that I can. It's going to be <laughs> awesome. Michael, Christina, tell everybody about your Christina show. Christina is definitely getting sucked into a portal. I can guarantee yeah. you that. Yeah. There's no <laughs> doubt. Ever. No doubt. Maybe you <laughs> might, you, you might want to hire the dragon for security while you go do you that. You might. I would recommend that highly. I would highly recommend it. Uh, or we can Michael, Michael. Nothing will happen. <laughs> nothing will happen if, that, if that's the case. She wants things to happen. 
true. Yeah, no digging though. No digging. Yeah. No digging. Well, she's a scientific wizard, so I think I think she'll come back with some great stuff. My name is Michael Madaluni. You can follow me uh, at the Singularity Lab here on YouTube. We focus on breaking technology, breaking science, and what is in store for humanity uh, as we approach the technological singularity. Uh, I'm also Monday, Wednesday, and Friday with Luis on the Unidentified Celebrity Review, and you can also find me on Twitter at Singularity. What an awesome show, you guys, and a great panel. And we did it all in an hour and 20 minutes. And so we're bringing it hot here on the Carl Vibe channel and going deep and digging into the mysteries and sharing our ideas with each other and not getting getting weird with it, but not weirded out. So uh, <laughs> having a lot of fun. And we're bringing the wizards this time, right? <laughs> the mystics. Well, bring the wizards. Yeah. Dragon agrees. Have- bring the wizards. Yep. Sounds awesome. You guys, thanks so much for joining the panel and all of you over in the chat today. We read all your comments as much as we could. Appreciate you guys so much and we'll catch you guys in the next one.